Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Chris Mayfield. Uh, Chris, give us a bit of an intro to yourself. Uh, Chris Mayfield, got a beautiful wife, five kids. Uh, started getting involved in real estate about five years ago. Uh, I live in Phoenix, actually a, a, a suburb in the East Valley called Gilbert. Yep. And I pretty much do most everything in uh, Texas, Memphis, a little bit in Seattle. Um, and we're looking very strongly right now at Oklahoma City. So uh, I didn't grow up in real estate, had no clue about real estate. I learned it from another church planning buddy in Denver who was wholesaling. I learned that, but then of course it, it then progresses to if I wholesale, that's just a job. I want to start, you know, buying property. So I do a, a little bit of everything. Cool. Um, I wanted to do this episode and I intentionally found you because I was trying to find a virtual wholesaler. Um, I was telling you before we went on the air, um, the number one question for the Facebook group or, or statement, I guess, when they're joining is that they want to learn virtual wholesaling. They want to learn how to invest in the States. So let's, let's, let's dig into this and let's, awesome. let's, let's create some, some more wholesalers. Cause there's lots of houses out there to do this. Do you get your uh, buyers list first or you'd start finding deals first? How do you, I hear it both ways. I hear this both ways. Uh, the way it happened for me was yeah. just out of de desperation. Um, just put the word out that I was getting involved in this. I didn't have a budget. I didn't know the first thing, but I had a buddy say, read this yep. a couple online resources. Of course, I just had his experience and kind of my practice has always been find people that are doing what you want to do and try to learn from them as much as possible and then duplicate yep. uh, in regards to. So, so the first deal was just I had left Seattle, moved here, had a buddy who was up there and they were helping a family. The wife had passed and my buddy and his wife had been helping them. The guy already had a job in Boise, Idaho. He and his 13 year old son were moving. They were packing boxes. They had lived in the same house for the last 25 years and they hadn't spoken to a realtor. And I said, can you give me permission to give him a call? He did. Sorry, how did you find these people? <laughs> uh, I had a buddy. They, oh, yes. They, I, I, can I, oh, okay, so so let's see, here, here, here's a good strategy. You don't have any money. Okay, yeah. tell everybody that you know that you're looking for property. Tell everybody that you know what I'm looking for are those properties that might need a little bit of love. You know, they just need a little bit of whatever it is that you want to say. And what I'm trying to do is partner with other people to buy those homes, rehabilitate them, and, and get them back out there for people that need housing. So my buddy knew that I was getting involved in this. I knew what he was involved in. I said, hey, how about this? Uh, uh, if I get a deal, I'll pay you 10% of the deal, right? So he, he found this a person that needed to sell a house and, and they were already moving. They already had their house they were going to, but strangely enough, they hadn't talked to a real estate agent. So I knew that I had a shot. So I asked for permission. I had no clue what I was doing. I asked for permission to, to talk to the seller, got on the phone. Um, I quickly, with no money, no prop stream, nothing, this is five years ago. Yeah. I went on Zillow, I went on Redfin, I went on Trulia. Um, I, I, I just did, and I just looked for three to four houses, same bedroom, same bathroom, close to square footage within a mile, preferably a half mile that it sold. So I knew I wasn't making a ridiculous offer. I knew, um, that my offer was strong based on the condition of the house, but could also be then transferred to an end invest investor who wanted that home. 
And so you got, I'm guessing you got your buddy to do some photos, right? You have like some sort no, of booth. Dude, <laughs> okay, so if you want a virtual wholesale, here's the thing, and you know this, you wanna do any kind of real estate. Yeah. I tell everybody this, persevere and find a way. Yeah. Because there's gonna be roadblock. I, I have done transactions from buying homes to wholesaling homes, and you tell me none of them have been the same. Not, there's always yeah. some roadblock or what I call, some people call them problems, I call them opportunities. Yeah. Because we're, pro we're problem solvers. So uh, I, I got the house, and listen this, I wrote them the contract, and I said, and then this is the way I did it, I said, hey, why don't I pay off your balance? And then I put this much cash, and it was $92,000 in your pocket, and would that work for you? And he said, yes. Wrote it up, sent it over to him. He took it to his church. He was involved in a certain church that he wanted the, the, the elders to look at. I said, fine. Took it to him. They said, looks like a great deal to me. So he signed, got it off. So now I'm under contract and I don't have any money to buy the house. So I called a buddy who used to go to my church and I said, hey, you're an agent. Um, I just got under contract with this house. Do you mind going over there and taking a few pictures? And there this is, is. Yeah. Yeah. five years ago. Yeah. I got eight people on uh, uh, bigger pockets who I just said, hey, I'm a famous guy. Got no clue what I'm doing. Of course, I knew a little bit. Yeah. I got a house under contract, eight guys immediately. I, I want it, I want it, I want it. They hadn't seen a picture or nothing. Yeah. I had my buddy go over there. He took the pictures, met the guy that was selling it. Said, hey, I'm Chris's friend. I'm over here to take the pictures. He's buying the property, took the pictures. In the meantime, my buddy comes to me and says, hey, what are you going to do with this house? And I said, I think I'm just going to assign it. He said, okay. Well, his dad was an 80-year-old flipper in the eastern Washington. And he said, we've been talking about doing a house over here in Seattle in the western Washington. I said, okay. He said, well, what do you want for the house? And I told him, which was $26,000 more than what I had it under for contract. And he said, you know what? I, I think we'd like to do it. And I said, sold. I know you. I don't know these other eight people. I have no idea what they're going to say to me or trick me or, 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 or bid me down or whatever. You guys are good. And then th th there was the process of just getting it closed. So I sent it over the title and uh, they began the process. He signed an assignment agreement. And that was it. Then it was just, you know, people signing things and getting things done that title was working. I, know, yeah. I actually ended up flying up there because they almost made me, they told me that I couldn't assign it. And I said, but there are people assigning in Seattle. So I was only going to make 13. And then this lady got involved and said, yeah, I don't understand why somebody told you that. So I ended up flying up there just so I could shake her hand, shake my buddy's hand who bought the house. And and just go see it because I'd never I'd never physically seen the house. So you said that they you know they were the person was like worried about the assignment like they were worried that it wasn't legal to do assignments in that state. Yeah, they they for some reason the person that got my paperwork at the title company part of that closing team yeah not the, you know just said hey I see you know and so it took me down a rabbit hole and I learned about transactional funding on my very first deal. Because they're like, you're going to have to buy it and then turn around and sell it. You know, what we would call a double, double closing. Close, yeah. so it doesn't make any sense. I know people. I, I'm a rookie at this, and I know people that are assigning. So I called some other people or found them on Facebook. Do you assign properties? Yes. Legal in Seattle, right? Yeah. Again, another problem. Do you want to make 26000 or do you want to make 13000 Solve those problems. Uh, ended up having to do a change on the paperwork because of the title uh people's fault yeah. and had to get him to re-sign something which meant it was a comedy of errors what the title company did that he was basically going to sign off on my twenty-six thousand dollar assignment 
And I, that's the only time it's ever happened because I was a complete rookie. Yeah. And, uh, but I sent it to him because I'd been honest with them. And the way I presented it was I'm a partner with my friend, Larry, who's buying the house. I just get my profit on the front end. He gets his profit on the back end. He pay, he and his father pay me for the profit on the front end. I was so nervous because it was my first deal. Oh, I, yeah. I already worked out that morning and my two boys were at the CrossFit working out. And my wife's like, where are you going? I was like, I can't sit still. I mean, I just found a document that he could just blow up the whole deal. So I'm going to go up there and watch them or do something. I hadn't driven five minutes and he had already signed it and sent it back. So, you know, be honest, tell them the truth, you know, be transparent. Um, for me, I'm a problem solver. I'm trying to make it good for the seller. I'm trying to make it good for the buyer. And so how did you solve that? You said you solved the, that problem. Was it, uh, was the problem related to, uh, the title company? Did you just have to switch the title companies? <laughs> it was, no, I didn't because Christy, uh, I called her, I remember I was sitting in a Costco over the clothes section. I'm leaning over some jeans or something. And I said, Christy, you got to help me. Everybody in America is assigning properties. I've learned from my buddy who does this night and day. I mean, does this all day in, in Denver, Colorado. I've already reached out to people in Seattle to say, I assign people. You might want to change title companies. I said, can you tell me what's wrong here? And she said, Chris, to be honest with you, I don't understand why you're not assigning it. So we had a big laugh and I said, because, and I told them the lady's name, she said I couldn't. And she said, well, she's dead wrong. So I had already secured transactional funding and was going to have to pay them about $1,500 to, to do that deal. Um, and with all the taxes and everything, I was only going to make 12, 12, five. So just that one conversation, well, first, the persistence to go out there and make sure it was legal in Seattle and then get on the phone with Christy, someone a little bit higher up in the title company, got it solved, didn't cry about, oh, I'm only going to make 13, just kept saying, no, I'm going to make the 26. And, uh, you know, that one phone call solved everything and, and you know, we were good. Look, the seller got his note paid off. He got a bunch of cash in his pocket. Um, so he was more than happy to move down the road. Uh, my buyer was a personal friend. He and his dad ended up flipping it and making a hundred. They were more than happy. So when you know that the seller, the buyer, and yourself and title are all happy, it's a good deal. But there's a lot of hurricane in that moment. To get that <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, I also found like with me, because I buy from wholesalers all the time, there's some title companies that it's like, they know that they do this all day long. They're pros at assigning assignment contracts. And there's other ones that it's a little bit more, they just don't have the experience. And, and again, there's a problem that needs to be solved. Call some other wholesalers, find out their experiences, find out the title companies that they love that say, hey, it's a no brainer use this lady, use this guy, use this office, use this closing attorney. These guys get it. You'll, th those are just phone calls and persistence to find the right people that understand what it is that you're doing. Yes. Awesome. Love it. So um, that was your first deal. You're still doing this, I'm assuming. So yes, um, where do you find your deals? Like, are you list source? You look at searching back tax records with what's your, where's your What's your? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. Um, I, I, for me, after a five-year journey, I mean, it started off with yes. Uh, <laughs> I was driving for dollars before the app was invented, as well as tons of people. Yeah. Uh, my sons would drive and get addresses for me. We bring all that back, figure out a way to to get that information. But in that five-year journey, what we use right now is is Batchskip, BatchskipTracing.com, uh, but we also use uh, Batch Leads which is the same group. So 
I can now go to batch skip and pull my leads, skip my leads, then ringless voicemail, text, cold call, um, or, or mail if I wanted to. I actually, you and I both know that a lot of people aren't using mailers, but man, I talked to a guy the other day and the way they do the mailer is they want the person to respond by text. And they've actually had a great response. So I thought, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, a competition competitive guy. And I thought, man, I might throw a thousand of those in the mail somewhere and just see. Because yeah. I've always, I was taught from my original guy, when everybody's zigging, use zag. Yeah. And I do the same thing with the seller. In other words, if they think this is what I'm going to say, that's not what I'm going to say. I'm going to come over here and say this and end it with a question. Or if everybody's texting, you know, do you remember the book, uh, Blue Ocean Strategy? I haven't read that book. Great book. They just came out with a revised version. But the concept is that, that there, there are red shark infested, right, waters. And generally, that's where everybody's competing for the same uh, profit margin in, in a product or whatever. And what you've got to do is figure out there's all these massive blue oceans, right? So one of their examples in the original book was Yellowtail Line. Well, back when I read it, nobody knew who Yellowtail was, but they showed the statistical story of how Yellowtail said that, you know, 83% of Americans drink beer and only 9% drink wine. But what are all the wine companies doing? They're going after that 8 or 9% of people. And Yellowtail said, why don't we go after the guy who drinks beer? Because when he goes into a store to buy wine, when he's going to a party, he doesn't know what kind of wine to buy. And there's a million uh, choices. So why don't we give them two choices, a red and a white made by Yellowtail? And, and with those two choices, right, everybody walks in and just buys Yellowtail. And then they show their business just blow up because they looked at, let's don't go after the wine drinkers. Let's go after everybody else. So same thing yep. here is, you know, we're all doing the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun, but what are little things that you can do, customer service or things that might set you apart from your competition? Yep. Well, to <laughs> answer your question, basket tracing is where we go the most, but we have the app, a deal machine. So we can send people out to drive. It tracks their driving. They walk up, they click the picture of a house. I mean, now you can virtual drive for dollars. So really you don't even need to get in a car anymore. Um, so those are ways that you're gonna find opportunities. But I think when you're first starting out, you need to learn some things. And so driving some neighborhoods, I'd say a great way to get a lead, uh, go to a neighborhood or go out on Saturday morning when there's garage sales and go up to the garage sale and say, are you having a garage sale because you're selling your house? Learn, right? Because if it's not listed, but they're just preparing, you might get in a conversation before they list it or hey, you know, I noticed this house over here, the grass has really grown up and it just kind of looks like it might need a little love. You kind of know the story that's going on there. And then if you learn that story, you can go knock on that door. Yep. So there's a way to do it where you can save money and there's a way to do it where you can spend money. Makes sense. What the, the with those that works if you're local, but if you're not local, it might be a little, it might be a little tricky to do some of those techniques, but you know, the same thing is you can, you always hear the story of like, you know, pay the postman or pay, you know, you just some kid who wants to like, has no money, wants to do real estate. And you're like, here, I'll get you a chunk of the deal. You just go find them. Just, you, you you can, you hustle? Can, if, you're, if you want to talk just virtual, yes, you can find a bird dog who says, I want to learn real estate. And so you let them be your boots on the ground. You can find people all the time. You can find hungry wholesalers that don't really know how to do it and they haven't really spent the money and they don't have the money and say, hey, why don't we partner for a while? I'll, I'll partner with you for 10 deals. 
right? You get 30%, I get 70%, but you get the education. And then at the after those 10 deals, let's see if we connect. And if we do, we can rewrite a new partnership. I don't care if I've got multiple 50% partnerships out there, you know, yep. you know, I, I don't, I don't care about that. So virtual it's pull leads, skip trace leads, and then either text, uh, a cold call, email. Um, there's plenty you can do virtually to get to that seller. Makes sense. Um, the one worry I have is that the, the, the people selling the property might be going through the heads of like, Oh, it's just a phone call. Is this a scam? Like, am I going to like, you know, is this a real deal? Is this someone actually going to, if I go through all this trouble and like, if I show up to the title company, are they going to think I'm an idiot? Like, how do you, how do you put them at ease or how do you settle that? So, so the first thing, and I don't know if this answers your question is we have a script um, and uh, we use, and, and it's been mutated over the years, but the first part is I don't, I tell my guys, I don't care about numbers. I don't care about deals. I don't care about any of that. I want to know number one, did you make a connection? I, when they come and report to me, did you make a connection? Was there rapport built in the first 35 to 45 seconds to a minute? And what I mean by that is, um, was there a chuckle? Was there a, you guys lived in the same city at one time or, or something where you know, and I tell my guys, until you've known that, don't go anywhere else because no one's going to sell to you if they don't like you, let alone the whole trust issue because you're calling from another city. Now, obviously our cold callers have local phone numbers. Our texters have, uh, it's local until they get into a longer or deeper conversation. But that's number one is building a rapport and making them know that you're a real person um, who has real dollars, who wants to do a real real estate transaction. Another thing I can do is I can tell them if I already have a relationship with a title company, hey, if you don't think I'm gonna perform, call Mary over at Close Track. Um, you know, she'll, she'll vouch for me that I'm real, that I've done transactions with her before. Um, so it just really kind of depends. Uh, there, there are things you can do personally um, uh, to do that. Now, of course, we have a website because we, we use that. So there are different things that you can do. I mean, I, I just tell them, look, you're looking to sell a, a property. If I can, if I can honor the price that you want. And just so you know, Mr. Seller, once we sign this uh, purchase and sale agreement, I'm going to send that over to the title company, which means they're going to open escrow. Just like if you were doing a traditional sale and, and going through agents, it's the same thing. And by the way, not me, they're going to call you. They're going to look for your information. I've given them their, your, na your name, phone number, and email, but they're going to call and get your bank account number to wire the money or your address to mail the money. So you're not sending me any money. Everything's going to go through the title company, which has a lawyer on staff to make sure everything is legit. They're going to protect you. They're going to protect me. So whether you trust me or not, call those guys. Yeah, and you mentioned a good thing there with the escrow. You do want to get that escrow opened because that will tie the property up so they don't sell it to somebody else. And the second thing is if you feel a little shaky, which I learned uh, eventually, we always learn and then we do it. But if you feel like the seller can't be trusted, like they signed with you, but you still don't sense the loyalty that they're going to stick with it, we go file an affidavit. Um, meaning that there's something on the property that if somebody tries to go around you and give them a thousand more dollars or five thousand more dollars and they, and they don't say anything to you and they try to close, guess what? That pops up in title and says, wait a minute, you've got something here that says you can't close. You're under contract right now with this gentleman. 
Yep. And, yep. and guess what? That's happened to me and that other buyer because he didn't want to work with us. And we basically called him on his lie. So one, he was embarrassed. And two, we said, this isn't cool. So we just, the buyer called us and said, what could I do? Because I kind of know the guy. And we said, well, honestly, we would rather have the property. Um, and then he said, well, what could I do? And we said, $5,000. Uh, and, and he agreed. So he basically paid us to get out of the way. Okay. So we got something for our effort. It wasn't what we wanted, but we knew the seller could just cause a bigger beef and, and lose it all together. So we figured get paid for a little bit of our time and move on. What price points are you buying? Like you, cause you've said some pretty high wholesale fees. I'm assuming well, you're not buying the really cheap houses. <laughs> so if I'm in, if I'm in Memphis, uh, I could be looking to pay anywhere from 5,000 to, uh, I don't really want to pay more than 35,000 as far as going under contract. Okay. Um, that doesn't include, that doesn't include if we're going to keep it and, and, and put rehab money into it. Uh, if it's in Dallas, Fort Worth, it really depends on where we're at. I mean, we bought a $180,000 house the other day that we got in a contract for 90 instead of assigning it, we bought it, refinanced it and owner did an owner finance on the back end. Yep. Uh, but you could also go under contract for $250,000 for a $400,000 house. And then in Seattle, it's way higher um, in the sense of the market. So you might go under contract, you know, for a piece of land or a land with a house on it for five, five fifty. that, you know, you're going to sign it for another $50,000. So yeah. it's little bitty ones in, in Memphis. Um, but, but again, it doesn't change in the sense of margins. So if I, I, uh, I got a house under contract for outside of Memphis, North, uh, West, um, in the outskirts, but it was just a little bit outside of Shelby County. And, and I got it, uh, I think it was like a hundred or something. And we ended up assigning it for 125. So even though I might be trying to make 25, 30 in Seattle, I made 25 in Memphis, but it was all about the acquisitions. Makes sense. I think this is my last question. So when you're doing your uh, deal analysis, you're, you want to pull your comps, make sure you're, you're not actually overpaying for this. Uh, I, I heard prop stream you, you mentioned in there. So is that your, is that your go-to? Because I know there's lots of other REI pro prop stream deal check. There's lots of different things that people are using. I got a partner that uses REI pro. So I, I got onto his a couple of years ago and we started doing it, but man, I, for wholesaling, um, if it's local or if I have an agent connected me, like in Dallas, Fort Worth, we can pull up the MLS. So never forget that that's out there. If somebody's willing to help you. Um, but honestly, I keep it very simple. I go online and I look, I can look at Zillow, Redfin, Trulia owns Zillow. So you don't have to go there. The only reason I look at that one is you go just down a little bit to the right crime. So in certain, you know, in Memphis, I want to look at that because I know my buyers are going to be real specific um, in certain spots in Memphis where they want to buy. I know the zip codes now, so I don't, I don't have to mess with it as much, but I always yeah. tell people like Trulia if it's going to be a buy and hold situation. But yeah, you could do the, you know, I can look at three of those and go find sold comps, which is very easy, taught by so many people. And if I can find two or three properties that are equal in square footage or within a hundred feet and same bedrooms and bath, I pretty much quickly know this house is worth about this. Um, and then I, I say, okay, if it's worth that, you know, I have to, I, and again, you got to think about the end buyer. If you're not taking care of them, you'll be done quick. So yep. that's why you want to get it low enough to factor in their profit, their rehab. And that's where you got to go learn from somebody and be able to walk through a property or in, a, in this case, virtually 
be able to look at those pictures. So what I, we, and, and I'll tell you this, my last thing. So my picture taker is this. We have a specific way they take pictures. They go into every room, they stand in all four corners and they shoot across, take a picture. Then they pick one of the ceiling, one of the floor. They do that. Then they go outside of the house and they take all four sides and then they get as good as a picture as possible of the roof. And then when they're done, they go back out and they shoot a video. And this is anything that a picture won't show a squeaky floor or just something that would be hidden in pictures. Because one, I want my buyers to see that because they're ultimately buying this property. Uh, yep. And if you don't give them an accurate, because sometimes like a COVID, all of a sudden a guy wants to buy the house, but he can't get in the house. Well, if you did a good job with pictures and video, he feels very confident because he buys in that area or she, and they proceed and, and buy the property without ever even walking through the property. That led to one more question. So <laughs> you're paying for pictures. How do you pay for them? Is it part of like a percentage of the deal or do you pay no, them like a set amount? There's like a set it's, hundred it's bucks set. or 200 bucks or? Yeah. No, it could be anywhere from, if I know them, it's 25 bucks to a oh. hundred bucks to a hundred bucks. Well, I guess it's really not a lot of time. They're going to show up. They're going to fly no, through the pictures. And, and yeah, I tell them they're going to be there maybe 20 minutes. I mean, and I did some in Tucson when my son was down there and I just had his college buddies when he moved back, were still down there and I, and I had them do them, you know? So it just depends on, sometimes somebody will call me and say, hey, I got this deal. Do you think you can do anything with it? And it's a city I've never been in, or I go find somebody to take pictures. But it's really not that hard. I got no. a deal right now with an, a, an investor who he has multiple properties in California, Memphis and North Carolina. And my buddy up in Seattle connected me with a church guy who's gonna go over and put a lockbox and take pictures for me uh, for a property in Riverside, California. I don't do real estate in Riverside, but I'm not gonna pass it up if somebody's asking me to sell this for me. He yep. literally knows I'm gonna assign the property and he's okay with it. Do you, when, when do you get your contract and do you put your contract on the property before the pictures or do you wait till I after put the a contract, I put a contract, I put a purchase and sale agreement. I try not to use the word contract. I put Sorry. a purchase and sale, no, no, it's okay. I put a purchase and sale agreement uh, or, or the acquisitions hopefully on that first call if, if it they know as they're on the computer uh and the phone talking right or text they're on if i'm on the phone with you and you're my seller i'm looking at zillow and redfin i'm, I'm kind of driving virtually on my computer to make sure when we get to the end of this script that i make the right deal and there's a part of the script where it's going to divide I'm going to find out what they owe in the house. I'm going to find out if they're free and clear, if they have a mortgage, because it might go from a cash offer to some type of creative finance offer that I can still assign. Oh, those, if I get creative finance ones and the numbers work, like those are the best because it can save me from, you know, fix and flip loans. It can save me from some really expensive financing with some good expensive setup fees. Yeah. So Glenn, I didn't, you didn't ask, and if I'm bugging you, just shut shut me down. But no. we got a deal. We got a deal a few months back, and my son made the call. The guy apparently got calls all the time. He said, "I don't know why we answered the phone, but he answered the phone." My son had done the acquisitions as far as building a relationship, but but he he wasn't ready to sign on the dotted line. I got on the phone, built a great relationship with him. He wanted like 110. I wanted 80, but I heard in the first three minutes, I don't want a low offer like 80, 85. So I knew, okay, I need to be on the phone a little bit longer because that's really where I need to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just without seeing the property, but hearing him describe the property. He had inherited it three years ago from an uncle. Some, some foreign nationals had lived in the house for 15 years. They had been great in paying their rent, but he knew they were very low in their rent. 
Yep. So he because it was renting for nine hundred and it can rent for fifteen hundred. Yep. So we agreed on ninety, and then let's get in and take pictures. So we signed a contract, but then after my partner went in and took the pictures, we were like, "Ooh, that's a lot rougher than what we had hoped for." And he was honest. So we, so it was really cool. And I said, "Well, we still want the property." He's like, "Okay, good." And I said, "Yeah, we just, we just need to, we need to, we kind of need to get creative on this." And it was so cool. He goes, "Well, let's put our thinking hats on." And I was like, "That's usually what I have to say, but he's saying." It. Yeah. So we agreed on ninety, which was still better than a hundred, hundred and ten. But he said, "How about this?" Because we agreed on, why don't we pay you eight percent interest only? And then when we're done with the property, we'll refi you out and you'll get the 90,000. Well, his money, he said he was making somewhere between three and 4%. So he said, that's great. So he said, how about this? Why don't you guys bring no down payment? And I said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then this is, it got even better. He calls me a few days later and says, hey, my wife and I, you know, most of my, you know, white collar guy, most of my money just in different things are making somewhere between three and 5%. What if I gave money towards the rehab? Would you and Jerry be interested in that? And I said, well, yeah, I'm going to go out and get it anyway. And he said, would you kind of do the same 8%? And I said, yeah, because, and in my head, I'm thinking I'm going to pay 10, 12% for hard money. Yep. So I said, sure. So he said, okay. And he said, well, he goes, well, how about 20? And I said, that great. And he even came back and said, would you do more? And I said, you know what? Let's just hold there. It's going to take more, but let's hold there. You have a good experience. And when this process is over with, if we do a good job, hopefully you'll want to work with us uh, again. Rehab the house, cost us 40. It was a lot of work. Uh, did, our, did our refinance, got our money, paid him off, got his 90, got his 20 back. Plus we had been paying him yeah. two or three, four months of, of while we were doing the work. Um, and then we owner financed it and everybody told me it, it, it refied at 181. I, I wanted higher. And then we sold it for 195 owner finance with a 10% down and 10% interest. And then he said, Hey man, I'm ready to do it again. And I said, great. Are we talking about the 20? And he said, no, the 90. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, okay, so we, we quickly had to go find another one that we could uh, put money in. So to me, to summarize all that, it was all virtual from the standpoint of all conversations, all contracts that were agreed upon on the phone. Everything was done with hello sign as far as signing. Um, he was connected to the title company, um, and I never had to step foot uh, in the state of Texas if I didn't want to uh, on that deal. So it is doable. People are doing it all over the country. That was amazing. Chris, if people want to track you down, where do they track you down? Where do they find you online? Uh, I'm on Facebook, Chris Mayfield, uh, Instagram, KGREI, KG underscore REI. Um, that's literally just means keep going. I, I'm real about encouragement. I'm just starting to get involved in coaching. Um, so I'm real encouraged to, to connect with you and that if people are looking for some type of coaching, I don't know what all that you guys do. So I don't want to take anything from you, but I, I, my background before I did real estate was was teaching, preaching, empowering people to do things. And so really, I get the biggest joy on teaching other friends, family, and new people I meet on how they can do this. That's probably where I get the, the most fun. And so I've started doing a, a mastermind with Chad Harris, 
Uh, he'd be another good guy for you to talk to. Um, okay. uh, we do a mastermind called Elevate. We just started it three weeks ago. It's online. Uh, we charge uh, a, a fee to be a part of it, but it's online. And, and I know people are, should I pay? Should I not pay? But you get what you pay for. But it's with other investors. You get to sit in the hot seat. It's a really good thing. Plus, we add all kinds of, uh, of files and things that we share for people. Um, so there's definitely a give back. Um, but it's also a community working with each other. So that's kind of what, what I do. And that's our True Wealth Investors. Um, it's Chad's, but, uh, but I joined uh, to be a part of it as well as another couple that are buying a hold. But Chad's a good one because he bought his first 45 properties without any bank financing. Wow. Wow. And he and, and before he did that, he was a missionary in Africa. So he didn't just, you know, figure it all out. He had to learn. Uh, yeah. But he's a great guy. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show, Chris. This was uh, Thanks, man. It's, awesome. It's an honor. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it.